Hello there, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist, personal trainer, busy mom, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm a former bodybuilder, and I currently have found a love for endurance sports. But I'm not your typical athlete. I believe there are many more contributors to athletic performance and overall health, and that we as a population might be doing it wrong. You won't see me pounding goose or chicken and rice, but you will see me in the pursuit to fuel not only athletic performance, but also balance it with optimal health. This is not just a podcast for athletes. Many people that fall into the health scene get there for a reason. I found myself in suboptimal states at multiple times in my life, and it has really sparked my passion for metabolic and systemic health. I am constantly a student of what I love, and now I hope to help others by bringing quality guests to the show to share their opinions and resources to hopefully help you formulate strategies to help you crack your health code. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm excited to have you joining me for another episode Things have been pretty good around here, pretty busy. I am working with a lot of clients as well as taking a lot of classes and also working on some new business adventures, which has been very time consuming. Uh, I'm actually in the middle of founding a wellness corporation with several other uh, investors. It's been kind of an interesting thing, uh, flying by the seat of my pants on that one. Uh, and, and I know when it comes into fruition, it's going to be a much clearer picture, but for now it's a little bit convoluted and there's been a lot of thought and collaboration going into it. So I'm really excited about that though. Um, also I just got my new honeybees, which I'm so excited about. Uh, I have wanted bees my whole life. I've wanted to teach my kids about beekeeping and pollination and, There's so many educational pieces to this. Um, Also, I am super excited because that means I'll be getting a couple hundred pounds of farm fresh honey, if not more. We started several hives. So uh, in the fall or about September time, August, September, we'll be harvesting all of the honey and I'm really looking forward to this new addition to the farm. We already have the chickens, the horses, the garden. It's a really lot of work. Um, but the really amazing part about it is, is I'm teaching my children things that they're never going to get elsewhere in life. And so when all of these tasks become really overwhelming, I am reminded that I'm doing this for a reason and it has a purpose. And even though it's hard, there's, it's an unsurmountable value for my family and my kids and myself and teaching them where food comes from and the importance of healthy, real whole foods and how our ecosystem works and all, and having to work with animals and, and where there's a give and take are all really important things. And so I really put an emphasis and focus on them. I want my kids to understand all of these things, get their hands dirty, put them in the soil, understand what it's like to nurture a seed and turn it into something that you can eat and be nourished with is all really super important. So I'm really thankful for this lifestyle I have, even though sometimes I think I'm a little bit crazy for taking on so many tasks. Um, You know, before we get to our host today, I just wanted to say that I want to make a shout out to this local company. Um, Their name is Patriot Supplements. They are a small hometown company. 
but I really feel like they're due some credit because they help out so many of our local athletes. They support them. They support the local trainers. They're just really involved in the local fitness community and helping so many people. And I think they deserve a shout out for that, especially when there are so many small businesses trying to thrive right now, especially with this pandemic going on. Um, And then they're being like, oversold by these huge corporations like Amazon that makes it so easy to get things at your fingertips in two days. You guys, let's support the local small businesses. So Patriot Supplements, they have an online store. Go support them, patriotsupplements.com. If you need some great suggestions, I'm a huge fan of their Wicked Naturals line that they have. They even have a non-stimulant pre-workout, so it doesn't have caffeine in it. If you're watching out for your adrenal health and et cetera, no fillers, no artificial sweeteners are sweetened with stevia. I highly recommend the product. If you are not looking for a pre-workout or there's something else you have in mind, they have some great clean protein brands. So definitely check out Patriot Supplements online, patriotsupplements.com. Support the small business. I think we need to do more of that and less of this big business stuff. So Anyway, today I am very, very excited because I have Adam Schaefer from Mind Pump Media joining me. He is one of the hosts of the number one fitness podcast in the nation, and I am so very excited to have him join me on the podcast. Today we talk a lot about business in fitness, coaching styles, mindset, um, a little bit about his body building career and what got him into it. Also on like a lot of his core beliefs and how they've changed over the years. Um, and then we also just talk about his favorite training techniques and sustainable programming that you can adhere to for long-term And it's really just an excellent podcast with Adam. And I think that you guys are going to find a lot of value in it. So I'm really, really excited to have Adam on the show. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Adam Schaefer from Mind Pump Media. All right, Mind Pump, Adam, I'm so excited to have you on the show. For people that don't know who you are, you guys have one of the number one fitness podcasts in the nation. It's one of my personal favorites to listen to, and I'm so excited to have you joining me on my podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. So there are some things that I really love about you guys, and it's that you look at all aspects of the fitness, nutrition, dieting industry, like this whole health scheme. You guys are on top of it. You do lots of Q and A's, lots of interviews, lots of incredible stuff. And the thing that I really like the most is you don't shun anything. You always say, you always talk about all of the sides to it. Uh, and how you, in your view, could see benefit or risk in those areas. And I really appreciate that because for you guys, nothing is just black and white. I I think that was really important uh, when we first started, right? When we first started, like the idea was, you know, let's create this podcast 
where we present the conversations that we had with our clients. And when we initially looked at the landscape as far as podcasting and, and uh, YouTube and you know the content that was being provided um, by most fitness professionals, a lot of it we felt was uh, communicating to people like you or me, like the professional, like somebody who's really into fitness and not so much our clientele. When I look back at my client portfolio over two decades, um, there was very few people that were like you or I, I mean, it was more the average person that just wanted to be healthy or wanted to increase their libido or wanted to reduce stress or was told by their doctor. And, you know, they weren't these fitness fanatics that wanted to argue over the latest study and debate whose modality of training is better and what diet is the best thing out there. They were looking for some real practical information to help them uh, improve their life, whatever it may be. And when we, when we looked at everybody, we just felt like nobody was really having that conversation. Nobody was having the conversations that I remembered having every hour that I trained a client for so many years. And same thing for Sal and Justin. And we, we set out to do that. We set out, okay, let's, let's create this, this podcast. Um, and, and we knew we had, we, we, obviously you have to know your shit, right? Like we can't, you can't come into this, this space and not know that we're not going to get attacked or challenged by academia and the PhDs out there that want to talk about all the studies and stuff. And so that's kind of our secret sauce and our weapon right there is that we have the, the, the intellect, the experience to, to challenge the PhDs and go round for round with some of these great minds in the space but yet we don't choose to communicate that way because we're not trying to appeal to the professional. We're really trying to appeal to the masses. And that's not to say that we don't attract a lot of professionals because we have a lot of coaches and trainers and other intellects that really appreciate how we take high level type conversations and we distill it down. So the average person can take away something and apply it to their life. And so, you know, when we came into that, that was the goal. And then we also, are so different. Like, I mean, as much as I love Sal and Justin, and we, we've created this, uh, you know, family like bond with each other. Um, we're very different individuals. So we train differently. We're into different stuff. Uh, we tend to, uh, we attract a different clientele. So with the combined experience, you get a lot of, uh, a lot of good, healthy debate, you know, around the nuances of diet and exercise and, there is no such thing as the, the right way or the only way. It's so nuanced and there's so many uh, variances amongst individuals that it's really good to have, uh, you know, three different voices that all can argue their point intelligently, but come from different perspectives because we know that that's what it's really like out there. There's something that Sal is going to say that's going to resonate with X amount of people. And then I'm going to come across and challenge the way he's thinking and say, well, we have to take in consideration these things, or I don't fully agree with you here. And that's probably going to resonate with a, a, another majority of a, a portion of people. And so I, I think that's important. A lot of this, the, this, the content and the stuff that you see on YouTube and podcasting before we came in, were, tend to be echo chambers, just be one person either preaching to you about their philosophy, their ideology, um, or bringing on guests that just support, you know, their diet that they promote or their way of training that they promote. And we didn't want that. We wanted a very uh, open style. We want, we're, we're always open-minded. We're always looking to be challenged and we challenge each other that way. And I, I think that's what made the podcast grow to the size that it grew to. 
I love that. I love that. And you, you say so many things there that totally resonate with me. Um, one of them is the fitness industry, right? People, there's so much garbage in the fitness industry and it's really unfortunate, but if you think about it, it's lucrative. So a lot of this garbage is lucrative. They're telling people to do it. They're keeping them stuck in these ruts almost intentionally because they can profit from it. And it's a really sad thing. And fortunately there's people out there like you guys and myself and so many other coaches that are trying to change that and trying to actually help people for the benefit of helping them not to make their next million off of them or turn them into just a number. And so I really appreciate what you guys are doing there. Um, I also appreciate what you were saying about where you guys came together and things weren't just black and white and you were able to argue with each other and, and especially getting into things. I know with myself, when I first started doing this, sometimes I was afraid to say some things. I was like, oh crap, somebody's going to get mad at me about this or tell me I'm wrong or argue with me. But you have to look at it from a learning perspective. You can't hold yourself back in your thoughts and your, your methodologies, because at one point somebody is going to challenge you. They're going to challenge your way of thinking. And ultimately, hopefully that's going to improve your coach, your ways of coaching and your understanding of things. Um, when you look at it from a different perspective. Well, this is what, this is what made us really dangerous when we first got into the space. So the three of us or four, if you include Doug, um, we got into it with this didn't need to make any money. Uh, it was a passion project, right? Like, of course, we had this ultimate vision of building it to what it is today and, and continue to scale it, but uh, we didn't have to. Like, we all had other businesses that were successful beforehand. There was no like, okay, we have this much time and then we got to start making money and then we're going to sell this. And really, uh, the first thing that we came after is exactly what you said is that the kind of the model to make money, to make millions of dollars in, in fitness is you, you build a network of people, whether that be through fame, uh, you make covers of magazines by being the bodybuilder bikini model. Uh, you get famous now on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, and you, you build this network of people. And once you build this network of people, the next natural progression is to sell them supplements is just, either align yourself with a brand and peddle every line of, of supplements that they offer and get people buying every single month. Or if you have the funds and the, the connections to create your own line and start to, to peddle that. And it's a, it's a million dollar business. It's, I mean, it's a multi-million dollar business for anybody that builds a network to the size that we're at or more. And we knew this and it's kind of like this unsaid thing that nobody fucks with anybody because it's how everybody makes their money. It's like, I'm not going to come over and shit all over the whole supplement game because that's my plan too. And, you know, so everybody kind of has this like, you know, we'll just keep it hush as because if you're a coach and you've been a trainer for at least a decade or more, you're, and I don't know a single one, even ones that are aligned with supplements uh, that would tell you that supplements are a big piece of the answer to solving the obesity epidemic or getting their clients results. Uh, any good coach that's honest would tell you that, it represents a, a fraction of the pie. And I mean, a fraction of the fraction, we're talking about 5%, you know, it's the, the spoiler on the Honda, right? It's not the, it's not the turbo charge. It's not the thing that's really going to get people to the results. And they know that, but yet they know that people are seeking the quick fix uh, in the pill or the powder. 
and that that's the easiest way for them to make residual income off of an audience of, you know, a few thousand people. You don't have to have that many. You get a few thousand loyal people that are, you know, into whatever it is that you have to say or into you visually or whatever it is that you did to get famous. And then you've got yourself a million dollar business. And we came out the gates uh, really coming after that um, and really attacking uh, the supplement industry as a whole. And not to say that there's not some value in some supplements or there's not ways that you can use it to enhance or blah, 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 blah. But it's not the main conversation. There's so many, the, the main conversation is what we talk about in most episodes, you know, for the last six years and trying to get that through people's head. And the percentage of people that are really going to benefit from supplements is such a small percentage of you that most of you need to work on all these other things like your you know, behaviors and your relationship with exercise, your relationship with food, your consistency, your program design, making sure that you're putting things together correctly, your stress levels and sleep. And I mean, there's, there's just a whole host of things that are way more important than supplements. And so, yeah, that was something that we came out really aggressive on. And I, we felt like nobody was really doing that then because it has, it's been kind of the model for a long time. Like that's how you make money in the fitness space. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And then, you know, you get all of these crazy programs out there too. Right. And I know that even myself, I have to really watch what I'm putting out as far as programs go that people can just go on and buy because I don't want to be that beach body person. I don't want to be proclaiming to make somebody lose certain amount of pounds in a certain amount of time. And, you know, for my own individual coaching and I'm uh, this, I'd love to go down this rabbit hole with you. Um, I find that it's, it, I lose a lot of clients or, or potential clients because I'm honest with people. I'm not putting out there that there is a quick fix. And I'm like, listen, this is going to take months. Like there's a lot of things that come into play when it comes to changing whether it be your, your physique or your health or whatever it may be, your reasoning for going on your health journey. Um, it's never just a pill. It's never just this quick instant thing. And there's a lot that needs to go into it in order to uh, be successful with long-term sustainable results. Well, the, the truth is that that answer and the truth is not sexy. Uh, you know, it says hard work. It says a uh, long time. It says I've got to be consistent. It says expect minimal results for a while. Like it's just not, and, and that doesn't sell, right? It's not, it's not an attractive thing to somebody who's, who's on the fence of emotionally buying or not. And so, but the truth is you doing that is setting you up for a, a long-term business for a business that may take you longer to build to a, a certain point, whatever your goal may be, um, but it, it, it will be much easier to sustain, right? So I'll give you a little story of uh, example, of something that, and I don't want to put this person on blast, but we'll just say this person is really uh, popular in the marketing and advertising uh, um uh, place. He, he, he talks about uh, uh, intermittent fasting is like one of his, his programs that he sells and he's very popular in ads. And I guarantee you've been hit with a ton of them before. So I happen to know his marketing guy. And we actually, we, we met a couple of years back at, uh, I was doing a talk somewhere. I don't remember where it was. And he was in Arizona. 
And uh, we started talking about, um, you know, email marketing and conversion rates and the stuff that I like to geek out on and talk to. And so I like talking to marketing guys like this. And he's telling me like, you know, what they, what their revenue they're producing and this and that. And he says, you know, what's your lifetime value on a customer? And I said, oh, you know, we're hovering somewhere around 770 right now. And he said, $7 and 70 cents. I said, no, $770, $770. He goes, how is that possible? He goes, Our, ours is like $17. And I said, well, part of that is because since the very beginning of this, we've been telling people that this is, this is a long game and it's gonna, you're not going to want to just follow this one program. And I'm not guaranteeing it's going to get you into results. Like you're going to want to phase your body into different, all these things. We put a lot of energy and effort that once somebody does come into our ecosystem that we add value and we give more and we provide a lot of good, solid, free content to complement the program that they're doing. And he was blown away by that. And I, you know, I'm very familiar with their marketing strategy and this is very similar or popular in our space, which is a lot of companies are very focused on acquisition over retention. And we're the opposite. We put a lot of energy towards retention uh, and we're, we're less concerned about acquisition. And the reason for that is that I know that uh, I may only get five people and the way we are marketing and the way we're going after people uh, and this person and that I'm talking about may get 50 to my five. But the five people that I get, uh, for sure, at least four, if not all five, have an incredible experience. They get great results. They learn along the process. We put a lot of energy and effort into the design of the program and the follow-up and communication and customer service. And so the likelihood that not only do those people continue buying from us, but they also refer to other people. And those leads are far more powerful than some ad on Facebook or Instagram that just attracts more people. And so this is a problem that I think I see a lot in our space with people that are advertising on Facebook and generating revenue is they're so concerned about acquisition. They're not thinking about retention and retention is towards the direction that you're talking about, which is communicating the truth to people that, Hey, this is going to be a long journey and it's going to be difficult and I can't change your body in 30 days. And, but I will hold your hand through this and I will try and provide as much value that I can during this process. And to me, like it is slower to build a business that way but you should be around for a long time because of that. And this is what, what gave us hope was you, you alluded to, to Beachbody. Beachbody is a $4 billion business. And what they do extremely well is market. I mean, that's what they do great. They, they've built a marketing machine and they, they play to everybody's insecurities. Now, when I see that stuff, it doesn't frustrate me or irritate me or, at, at all. I see incredible opportunity as, as a business owner, I go, oh my God, there's, if these guys are making $4 billion a year, I don't even need to steal all of their business. I just need to convince a very small portion of their, their business that there is a better way to do these things. And if I do, uh, we're going to build a, a significantly large company just off of the people that they're not servicing very well. And so I saw, we saw that as a incredible opportunity to provide more value because the customers were there. They're buying, they're just not buying the right things. Mm -hmm. I guess my biggest problem with their platform and so many of the platforms that are out there, I mean, you and I both came from the bodybuilding industry. We know what is sustainable and what is doable as far as fitness goes 
So we know what it takes to get our body to that look that everybody thinks is fitness, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is, is they put these people on a screen in front of these women and they think that if they do these programs, they can look like these people on this screen. And you and I both know, having been there, having dieted, having gone to those places that, no, that's not the case. And then you have these women that, are doing this crazy like cardio stuff, which most females, and I would love your two cents on this, but most females are busy moms, busy jobs. They're in this rat race of society. Their bodies are already overstressed. And now they're adding this super sympathetically dominant workout to it. And, and thinking that if they eat this little tiny containers worth of stuff and they jump around like crazy and do all these workouts that they're going to look like these people on the screen. And it just breaks my heart for these women that have belief in this because it's setting them automatically up for failure. So before uh, mind pump really took off, um, I actually had a online coaching business that I was doing uh, just to supplement income while we were building it. And uh, I used obviously the uh, authority that I gained from competing. Um, I knew that I would gain a lot of attention when they, when, cause I shared my journey, right. From being a nobody to amateur, then all the way to the professional level. And of course I gained a lot of attention and a lot of people that were wanting me to coach them. And I would get these people, these girls in particular that would uh, DM or email me. And one of the first things that I'm asked, I do like a consultation for an hour with them. And I want to know like, you know, what's their, their eating like currently, what's their regimen like. And I, I probably had to turn down, I would say 50 to 60% of them at least, um, or send them away and say, come back to me after this, or you got to hire me for six months before I'll show prep you because their metabolism wasn't even in a good place to take them to a show. And so they, and a lot of them didn't understand. They come to me and they say, Adam, you know, my girlfriend and I, we decided that we're going to sign up for this show in November. And I, I think you're so great. And would you coach us and train us? And then I'd be like, well, ask them, you know, do you have, what's your training experience? What's your diet? What's everything look like right now? And then I get back this like very, inex- inex- very inexperienced as far as weightlifting. So they don't have a solid foundation as far as like what they've built. Then on top of that, they are eating like a lot of these girls are eating 1500 or less calories a day. And I'm like, there's no way I'm putting you on a three month cut to get you ready for a show when you're currently eating 1500 calories right now. And you haven't really even built a solid frame. I mean, all we're going to do is to prove to yourself that you can starve yourself for three months, destroy your metabolism, and you're not going to win. So if you want to do well at this and you're interested in it, I'm, I'm open to talking to you about what that would take, but I won't coach you for a show until you do the stuff beforehand, which I would tell all my, my clients that competed that the real work in, in, pre, in prep is actually pre-prep, is the, is the building the physique and the foundation and building the metabolism so you're set up for success to go into prep. When you go into prep, you're not going to build a bunch of muscle. I mean, you're, you're cutting, you're in a caloric deficit 90% of the time, the whole way through. So you're not going to change as far as like, which is sculpting part of your physique. You're going to maybe cut body fat, of course, but you're not going to build any muscle. So all the real hard work is done before we get to that. And if I'm, if you're starting at 1500 to 1800 calories tops, and you're wanting me to cut you for 12 weeks to get you for the show, 
where do you think your metabolism is going to be when we get you on stage? Like, no way. And so, yeah, it was really hard to, to get that through to, and a lot, I saw a lot of people that I tell them no. And then I go watch them go hire another coach because someone will take them, you know, somebody who just is looking at it as a dollar amount and they're, yeah, I'll take you. They'll take you, sign you up, throw you in the, the group of girls that are all following the same bullshit diet, following the same bullshit routine, basically just training the fuck out of them and starving their bodies. Like, if you do that to anybody, they'll get lean. They'll lose weight. You know what I'm saying? And actually, I shouldn't say they'll get lean. They'll lose weight a lot of times. And I remember I had a client who did this exact thing happen to. She was a friend of mine. And I kept telling her, like, your metabolism is not in the place to diet. You're not ready to diet for a show. You got you to gotta fix all this first. Well, she ignored me and eventually went and trained with somebody else. And she did the show. And she was really proud of it. She dropped 30 pounds, right? 30 pounds before she got this show. Uh, and for her, she looked, she thought the leanest she'd ever been. Well, something that I had, I always used to have her dunk. So hydrostatic way to check her body fat percentage. Um, and so she had consistently done that even when I was talking to her and after the show, she went and did it, uh, like the day after the show to see where she was. And she came to me just like in tears because she didn't understand. She goes, I don't understand how this is possible. Adam, I lost 30 pounds. I feel like I look better than I've ever looked before, but this, this thing is telling me that I got fatter. How is that possible? And I said, well, this is what happens when you have a slow metabolism and you cut ridiculously low already. The body starts to pare down muscle just as fast. In fact, faster than you lose actually fat. So if you lost 30 pounds and 16 of it was muscle, and 14 was fat, even though you lost 14 pounds of fat, you lost as much or more muscle, which in the ratio of a body fat percentage, you went up. So you're technically in worse, worse shape now. Yeah. You know, I'm so happy that you said all of that, Adam, um, because that's, that's a conversation too, that is extremely hard to have with people. Um, whether it's a general population client or a competition client, telling that person that they are, may have to take a step back in order to move forward is not a popular thing to tell people. And it's very hard when you first start trying, we'll call it reverse dieting for lack of better words. Um, when you first start trying to recomp a person, get their hormones, right, re-regulate their metabolism. It's sometimes not glamorous. Sometimes it involves gaining weight. Sometimes it involves throwing away the scale and working off of how you feel. And that is not a glamorous thing when it comes to people that want to hire you to lose weight. Well, most people are, you know, and this is, this goes for competitors and your average person who just wants to lose it. They, the, what makes them step into the gym or reach out to a coach like you or I is, is a feeling of emotion, right? Something motivated them that day, something today that made them call you or call me uh, whether that be an insecurity because they looked at themselves in the mirror and they thought, oh my God, I look terrible. I need to change this. Or they're like, you know what? I would love to compete. They got inspired because they saw somebody else who competed and looked amazing. And so they're inspired that day. The problem with this is that th these are all emotions and they're all fleeting. Like that, that's why I don't like the whole motivate, the mo motivation shit. It's just, it's, 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 it's not sustainable. It's not realistic because just like, happiness, sadness, uh, and motivation. They're all these feelings that, yeah, when it's high, that's great. And you, it motivates you to get you in the gym, but it's not going to keep you going long-term. And 
you have to implement good behaviors and not everybody wants to hear that when they're all hyped and motivated. I'm hyped and motivated. Okay, I wanna, I've made a decision, I'm gonna do this now. And then the last thing you wanna hear from your coach that you're about to pay is you go like, mm, you're not ready for that. We need a backup and actually let's gain weight. I'm gonna, you know, I know you wanna lose 30 pounds with me, but I actually want you to eat more food and we're not gonna worry about your scale right now. Like, it, yeah, that's a, it's a tough conversation. And I, and I have a lot of uh, empathy for young trainers. Like if you're early in your career, you're trying to build your portfolio and you, you kind of have to take almost everybody at that place and you get somebody like that. And we're in a service business, right? So we're in a business where they're paying for a service. So there's a part of you that feels compelled that shit, I kind of need to give this person what they want, but I know what's best for them. That's a, it's an interesting dichotomy that a lot of trainers are faced with when you first start your career. It's really easy, of course, for me to sit up on my, in my ivory tower where I'm at now and be like, no, nah, I just tell everybody like this. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, I have that luxury now to do that where I don't need the business to pay my bills and do things like that. So it's not hard for me to have that conversation, but I do know for a, a trainer who's building their business, that's a tough one, man. It's a really tough one to learn how to, which is also, again, why Mind Pump has such a large trainer following is because I think we, we've, we've tried our best to help coaches with, with that conversation, like how to communicate that to that client, you know, like how do I communicate this to them to get that through to them that they don't want me to, to just cut them for a show right now, that they really want me to help them. And if they want me to help them, then it looks a little different than I think they, they think, you know? Yeah. And I'm totally there myself. You know, here I am building this business. People reach out with me, reach out to me. And it's like, well, yes, I am trying to feed my family with this, but on the flip side, I have to, I want to stay true to myself and my beliefs and why I started this. And so it makes it very important that I am like, listen, I'm not going to compromise your health. I'm not going to do this. I've been down the road where a, con a coach compromised my health. I'm not ever putting my clients there. And so every once in a while, when I feel myself getting a little greedy, because we do as human, it's our human nature, right? I'm like, listen, why am I doing this? And I have to convey that to my client, be like, I'm sorry, but this is what this is going to look like. And it doesn't always make me popular, but I'm doing the right thing in the process. And I know at the end of the day, I may not have signed somebody, but I said and did the right things as far as ethics and morals go. And to me, that is what in the end is going to build my reputation. Yep. And, you know, going back to that, like, I don't want to talk to, you know, talk about myself. We've got you on here, but I actually did sign last year a Beachbody girl. Uh, she was very skinny, typical mom, running all the time, doing all the beach body workouts, shakes, all that looked great, was very fit, very fit, but no muscle. And she interviewed tons of coaches. For some reason we hit it off. And I thought for sure she wouldn't call me back. She called me back and she was like, I want to sign up with you. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to be doing this. We're going to no more cardio. <laughs> like we backed all of these things off. We upped the calories. The scale went up like crazy. And she was like, I'm not going to lie. I was a little scared. She's like, but you're my coach. I hired you. I trust you. And her, it was her, her thing. She wanted to gift herself with doing a bikini competition for her 40th birthday. Mm. And I said, okay, but this is what it's going to look like if you decide to train with me. And I thought for sure I would lose her. I didn't. She went all in, 
We got our calories up. We built muscle like crazy. She was so afraid of where the scale was going, but she kept saying, I trust you. You're my coach. I'm going to listen. And when it came time to cut her body weight, never changed. It stayed almost awesome. exactly where it had gone up to in a caloric surplus and didn't change. And she's getting lean and skinny. We're getting ready to step on stage in a few weeks. Looks incredible. And I said, now, doesn't it blow your mind that you are the same weight which is, I think about nine or 10 pounds heavier than she was when we started, uh, same weight and you're cutting and you're still staying the same weight and your whole body has completely changed. And she's like, every day it blows my mind. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the, that's the sweetest place to be. Right. So when I, uh, did my first like transformation journey, how the way I built the Instagram. So what gained the popularity on my Instagram was, I had fallen out of shape. Uh, I was 30 years old. I was in the worst shape I've ever been at. For me, it was 20% body fat. So as a personal trainer, I'd never allowed myself to get that high. Uh, so I was the, the worst body fat percentage. I'm 30 years old. And I thought, okay, this is gonna be a great opportunity for me to show people how to transform your body. And I show, I documented the whole thing and then I would communicate. And the goal was, and that's what I was trying to show people is that I was 212 pounds and 20% body fat. My goal was, to completely change my body composition without my scale really moving. Now, of course, it kind of went up and down a little bit, give or take five to probably 10 pounds during the whole thing. But when it was all, when I came all the way down to 7%, I weighed at 212. And that was the idea was to show people that that's really where you want to be. Now, the heart, the psychological part of that is so difficult because it just, for the average person that doesn't really understand muscle and fat and metabolism like you or I do it really fucks with them because they think like I'm here to lose fat I want to I want to lose weight right like you know if I was a, you know a, not a trainer looking at the 20 20% body fat 30 year old me going like oh my god I need to lose weight and so you go start your program and you see the scale going down two or three pounds you're like yes I'm heading the right direction well the opposite is true right? when, when I'm doing it and I see the scale go down two or three pounds. I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to feed my body more. It's like, wow, it's, I'm responding that quickly that I'm already starting to lose weight. And that's not the, the goal is not to lose weight. It's to change my body composition, right? Build some muscles, feed my metabolism up, lean out. And if that's the case, I would love to see this nice, even exchange and never a really hard swing left or right. And when you do that, you seem to, you seem to stay pretty satiated and happy with where you're eating. And you just keep getting, but it's, it's, it's slower, more gradual and more difficult for people psychologically because we're so attached to the scale and worried about seeing that go up or down as a, as a, a you know, actual measure to our success. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And my goal is always with clients to do is to change body composition without seeing major fluctuations. Now, granted, if I'm training somebody who's 300 and something pounds, we're going to drop some pounds on the scale eventually. It's, I'm not going to recomp you at 320 like a monster, but you know, for the most part, most people that are 20 to 40 pounds overweight, they could keep their weight on the scale exactly the same and look like a fitness model at that weight. And getting that through to people's head is, is, is difficult and challenging for sure. I love that. Now, so you talked about when you first started your journey and all of that stuff. So if you could go back and tell yourself in the past what you know now, and even with your coaching modalities, what are some things that you would have wish you would have known? 
Um, so there's, there's certain things like, uh, I look back and think about, I, like, I openly say that I was a bad trainer in my first like five years. Like, although, uh, the accolades and things that I, and stuff that I achieved didn't say that, you know, uh, that was really what made me started questioning who I was, you know, I had collected all these trophies that said I was the number one trainer and had all the success and people telling me that I was great. But when I really started to look at like my client portfolio and how many clients were like truly changed their life, not who did I get in shape for eight weeks, but who did I teach the fundamentals of nutrition and training? And then they took that on and then stayed fit. It was like, I couldn't really, I don't think I could count on one hand after five years of training probably a hundred plus people. Right. Like I was like, damn, that's not very good. That's not, <laughs> I'm not that good of a trainer uh, actually at all. And a lot of that was because I was so focused on the X's and O's, which I think a lot of, you know, fresh out of kinesiology, sports medicine degrees, or newly certified trainers do. I mean, we, we get all this great information about, you know, macros and, uh, you know, undulating your, your training and knowing how to periodize things. And you're just like, you're just full of all this great new knowledge. And you're like, yeah, I can't wait to go teach these people. Like, this is how you do it. But really what you're doing is you're just giving them the answers to the test. And ask anybody, and let's take not fitness and any other subject. If you do, I just give you the answers to any math test, science test, history test. Did you learn anything? You know, and are, will you ever be able to teach that to somebody else? The answer is no, of course not. Well, it's no different in personal training. So, but that, that didn't compute to me. Like my, at the back then I thought, okay, my job is they pay me money. I, I get them their results. Like that's what I'm supposed to do. I wasn't thinking about it the way I think about it now. Like the way I look at it now is like my goal is to give them life-changing behaviors uh, that they can then implement into their lifestyle and change their life forever. And the truth about that is you can't really radically do that for most people unless they had something crazy happen. Like they, they just beat cancer or, you know, had someone close to something that like kind of shocked them into changing their life radically and they're ready to commit that's like a one percent right most everybody else it's kind of this you know, negotiation process or sales pitch on my part for a, for a long period of time to get them to start to build these behaviors so i used to i remember i'll never and this is i talk about this a lot on the show I, that because it, it really bothered me that i was this guy right that i i would ask this question the park you when someone signs up with you and uh, one of the questions is like, you know, do you, what do you do for fitness or activity right now? And, you know, I got a lot of people that'd be like, oh, I walk for 30 minutes a day, or, you know, I go for a hike with my husband on weekends. And I would scoff at that. Like, that's, that's not exercise. It's not training. That's like, you know, how many calories you burn when you walk, like nothing, you know, like you could do 10 setups and burn. So I would totally like scoff and, and devalue what they were doing already. Now, the irony of that is, that is like normally where I start now. So I normally, when I get somebody and I ask them, what do you do for fitness? And if they're not really doing anything, it's like, okay, well, let's start with a 10 minute walk, you know? And the logic behind that is you're trying to give them little wins in, in their life and, and, and start to build momentum. And if you do something that is so drastically different than what they've been doing for the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years of their life, the likelihood that it's going to stick and they're going to continue to do that is, is very, very slim. And so if I could go back and talk to my younger self about being a better coach and trainer, 
it would be those things is to to focus at them on the the behaviors in people more so than the x's and o's it, it's good as a coach to know the x's and o's i think that's important to make you exceptional and great at what you do but i find it even more important for you to understand uh you know the behavioral psychology behind getting people to implement good lifestyle changes that's going to make them a healthier person long term and then also effective communication right like luckily this was something already in my favor like sales and communication is like in my bloodline and so i had a little bit of a natural get to that i just wasn't communicating the right things back then you know i was communicating the important of macros and all the shit that i was x's and o's where now I understand it's like, okay, I'm going to try and get this person to change one thing in their life, be consistent with it. And then I'm going to add one more thing and then continue that way. I love this because I'm so guilty here. I, I can tell you when I first got my personal training license, I was like, we've got to periodize this and we've got to do this scheme and that. And, and I got crazy. And what happened is I would get these people that wanted to train with me. I would make these meticulous, I'd spend hours on these meticulous building programs and all these things. I treated everybody like a bodybuilder. Like it was so bad. And they were not that they weren't beautiful plans. They were beautiful plans, but for the average person needing to make a change in their life, it's too much. It's too, it's too crazy. It's too, it's too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's too complex. And yep. most people that's making such a huge change that, that, that they're not able to stick to it. It's not sustainable. And so no. I learned a lot by those mistakes. And I, and I'm a, a lot like you realize that now sometimes a walk is a great thing. Like, yeah. you know, go for a walk every day, enjoy the sun, get the vitamin D, get your body moving. I mean, there's so many more benefits than just fitness when it comes to stuff like that. But in the, before that, I used to think you had to do something like like a bodybuilder in order to achieve your goals and so i was totally guilty there while you were saying that i was like oh that was me guilty guilty well i mean a lot of what drove me into fitness was my own insecurities my desire to look a certain way right so aesthetics i was the aesthetic guy that's what i cared about and so of course that's going to bleed into your clients a little bit you know i i got really good at changing body composition i i could do that with anybody but it was, and if you would hire me and I could, like you said, write out the most beautiful plan and I could be this great cheerleader to get you to push you through it. But what would happen is as soon as they weren't paying me and, you know, being totally truthful, I didn't care that they didn't keep it because I looked at it as job security, like, Oh, they can't do it without me. So they'll be back in six months when they put all the body fat back on and then they'll hire me again. And then I'll give them the answers again, you know? And so, you know, I subconsciously, this is what's happening. I'm not actively thinking that way, but I'm sure that's what's going on is I'm going, oh, this is great job security. They, I'm, I'm that good. They need me. And it's like, I wasn't really looking at it. Like, can I, cause here's the thing too. Like there's some people that I could, I never got them to, you know, even to the day, right. I couldn't get them to strength train three times a week and follow a really strict diet or with that, but I got them to implement four or five mobility moves that literally has eliminated chronic pain in their life. And they now, because of that, they also walk, you know, for an hour every single day. And because of that, 
they're able to keep their weight in check and it doesn't just keep compiling on them and they've been able to lower blood pressure or you know drop their cholesterol or some just because of those some things so i didn't build this amazing physique in them and i didn't get them to look like a cover of a magazine but i gave them some things that really truly changed their life that they found tremendous value in that they now do forever and that's made their life incredibly better and hopefully and that's really what this is about right it's not always it's well it's never really about just making somebody look a certain way or even trying to prolong life it's about enhancing your current life making life right now better for you and if i can get people to understand the importance of relationship help spiritual health you know mobility you know doing these types of things and know that that really can improve their health and their life i'm okay with that even if they don't strength train 3 to 5 times a week like i would like to see them all do i have to be okay as a coach and as a trainer that maybe not everybody wants to do that and can i meet them where they're currently at and then can i start to build some things on and then maybe then after they've been doing that for months or years and they've seen such a huge impact from those few things i've got them to implement in their life they come back to me for more which is what tends to happen right like you meet them where they're at you don't overextend them you stretch them a little bit right you give them things that they weren't doing before but not so much that it's unrealistic to keep it going and then you give you get to show them wow what the benefits were just by simply eliminating that one food or adding that one food to their diet or doing that one mobility practice every day and then they come to you like man Adam I that is really you got something else for me for this or can I do that and then now I'm in a position to really they're them coming to me like that wanting to make behavioral changes that's the type of shit that will last forever and really change a client's life I love that. And so I want to kind of dive into that a little more, see if you can kind of elaborate on it some more, because, you know, at, we were talking off camera before I came on here. I just got back from my dear friend's funeral. He passed away. He was a, a well-known bodybuilder um, at a very young age. And it got me the whole thing. And, and, and I've, I've lost other friends in the bodybuilding industry. It's a pretty common thing. Um, you know, people get to pushing their body too hard and it, it just does that you're killing your longevity, but, um, putting all of that aside, it really got me thinking. I was like, man, tomorrow is not promised. And it made me reevaluate even my whole fitness routine because I was like, I spent every day at some point or another grinding away. And when, and what does balance look like? Because. Mm you get so hyper-focused on something or bringing this thing into your life. It's like, oh, I've got to do it every day. And sometimes it comes at the cost of other things. And if you weren't around tomorrow, what is the, gonna, the cost going to be? So it really got me reevaluating things. What does fitness and balance look like? And, and it's, there, it's so diverse as far as that goes. So could you jump into that a little bit and tell me what you think a balanced fitness program looks like or, or ways to balance a, a fitness program so that you're not spending time away from your loved ones or grinding or away from the things that you love? That's a really good question. Um, and something that's taken me decades to get to where kind of I'm at as far as my relationship with exercise like that. Um, and the truth is, I'm probably sitting around, I'd say probably about 12% body fat, 11 or 12% body fat, which is okay for me. It's nothing, my abs aren't popping out. 
Uh, I don't belong anywhere on a stage at all. Uh, but I'm probably some of the most, probably in the healthiest place I've ever been in my life. Um, my mobility is incredible. Uh, my relationship health with my family, with my partner, with my kid, uh, my financial health. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things, my spiritual health. There's a lot of things that uh, encompass health that we don't really talk about, or at least the bodybuilding and the, the, the hardcore fitness people don't talk to. Now, if we're talking to a yogi or, you know, kind of person like that, that's a little hippie crunchy, like they talk mm -hmm. about spirituality and working in a little bit more, but you don't really hear that so much in the bodybuilding community and the, the people that are more aesthetic driven or performance driven. Um, but it very much so is just as important to those people. It should be just as important to those people as, as the yogis and the people that are talking about that. And so, you know, and you have to realize that you're, you know, you, you said something that's really important that you, there is always a give and take and you all, you are always sacrificing something. And so you, you got to know that if I'm, if I like, let's say today, right. So I actually didn't get a great workout in. Um, I kind of like uh, got a few sets in, we were rushed for time to get on the podcast earlier. I'm back now home in my house. I have a home gym right now. Now the plan is this, when you and I get off right now, the plan is for me to go down and get a workout. But I also know that there's a really good chance. You, I don't know if you heard it, but about 10 minutes ago, my son heard my voice and came running in. Daddy, daddy was trying to get my attention. Katrina grabbed him. There's a very good chance I may work my way downstairs to go to the gym and my son may grab me and I may not get my workout. Now, five, six years ago, uh, if I had a child or more, let's say probably 10 years ago, and I was in a situation like that, and I'm about my fitness goals right now, I'm like, Katrina, could you take Max and handle Max? I'm going to go, I need to go work out. I didn't get my workout in today um, because that's important to me. Uh, that would probably be me and probably justify, I'd probably justify it somehow. Where, where I'm at right now is you know, a, a half-ass workout today is, is not going to set me way back and definitely not going to set me way back in my health. Uh, maybe like looking cool or being ripped, you know, it's setting me back on my progressive overload, you know, but uh, I mean, it, at the sacrifice of maybe my, my relationship held with my partner or my son, nah, like, you know, there's things that are just different priorities right now, right now for me. And I think that we always have, and that's what the, the answer to this question, because I'm dragging it on, is very nuanced because it's individualized for, for every person, right? Like it's who am I to say your importance of your family, your importance with your child or, or fiance or, or spouse or, you know, whatever it is. But you, the one thing that is for sure is that health is not just the way we look, you know, it's not just the way we eat. It's not just the way we train. It encompasses a lot of things. And I think it's important that we all are doing a self check-in on, you know, where are all those things at, you know, when was the last time? And if you're not a spiritual person where you don't believe in religion or whatever like that, it doesn't have to be that, but there is a, there's still a spiritual component of looking inward, right. Of like self, we'll call it self-awareness for people that, that get, you know, freaked out by religious stuff. So, you know, work on yourself. When's the last time that you are working on your personal growth, whether that be stretching yourself mentally and, and growing there, um, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and, and, and pushing growth there. When was the last time that you reached out and connected to a loved one that's important to you or shared that? To, I mean, 
there's a lot of other things that make you a healthy person. And if we're always looking at the, the body fat and the muscle and the performance in the gym as like your indicator on if you're healthy or not, I, I, not only do I think that's a terrible way to do it, in my experience, what the all the, the bodybuilding community, there's a very small percentage of them that really get this. A majority of them actually, as what we talked about, I think before we got on air, is how insecure most of them all are and how out of whack all those other things are. They're, they're, so, they're so focused on their body and how they look that the relationships are to shit and they're, everything, their personal growth, they're working inward, they're, all those things are out of whack, but they're, I mean, they're ripped, you know, and they eat really good food, but they got all these other things. And so I am not the person to tell you or anybody else what whole health or balanced health looks like to you, but I do think that it's extremely important that we all have check-ins with ourselves and, and ask that question and be honest with yourself, you know, when, and I kind of, I try and do that. Right. So I, I try and look at like, you know, when is, cause here's, I have my own issues. Right. So I have um, for me, I'll be open here. Right. So uh, family stuff, like I, I grew up kind of a rough childhood. And so and I, I'm the oldest of five siblings. And so I don't have the strongest bond and connection with my younger siblings and my own mother. And so that's important to me because I guarantee you when I lay down on, on my, my deathbed and I'm not going to think about all the money that was in my bank account or what goals I achieved in bodybuilding or like I'm going to be thinking about my loved ones and, and the relationship that I had with them on my, on my last hours and days. And so when I checked back in with my health, sure, I checked like, have I been eating well? Have I been getting my exercise and mobility in? But I also go like, you know, when was the last time I called all my siblings or talked to them or told them that I love them? When was the last time that I complimented Katrina on her and our relationship? When was the last time that I gave my son my complete attention and no distractions whatsoever? So I just think, when was the last time that I stretched my own capacity? When did I read a book last? When did I, so all these other things I'm checking in with myself. And of course I allow myself to, to get, super focused one way or other, right? Because like, let's be honest, if you have a competition and a show, okay, when I was getting ready for 12 weeks, I probably wasn't reading a lot of books. Or I probably wasn't spending as much quality time with people. That's okay. So long as you you know where homeostasis is, you, you, you can get back out of there, right? Like, and that's where the danger really has. And that's really the answer to balance is know that we all have tendencies to go to go in down the rabbit hole in areas that we like or areas that distract us from working on the other aspects of health that we probably need to focus on. And so you've got to ask yourself that, am I really pursuing health and taking care of myself or am I just distracting myself from these other parts of my life that I don't want to deal with? And this, if I'm really good over here, it makes me feel good about myself and I don't have to think about these other things that I'm not managing so well. And so I would challenge anybody who's listening right now that if you're seeking true balance and health, that you have to have that check-in with yourself. You have to ask yourself, um, are you running from something and are you addressing all those things that encompass health um, or are you just avoiding addressing it? Oh my goodness. I love that so much, Adam. Great, great, great. Um, yeah. And, and you brought up your insecurities, right? 
that's one thing that drives a lot of people to change their body is their insecurities. And uh, we talked about it a little bit off of uh, film here, but um, when you become a bodybuilder and you start having to be scrutinizing your body in the mirror constantly so that you can bring this amazing look to stage, it becomes to be a negative thing. Uh, where you're picking yourself apart rather than lifting yourself up. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck in that rut in the fitness space um, where they're so busy trying to improve something they don't like, they fail to see the things that they have improved. So can you kind of tell me what your experience has been with this as far as your bodybuilding career goes? You are an IFBB pro. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, which is funny because you don't, you're not like IFBB pro Adam Schaefer, you know, like most people taunt that and flaunt it and, and you don't say that a lot. So a lot of people don't know that, but you've been down the road, you've put in the steps and what was it like, um, making a transition, not only with your physique, but with your mindset that comes along with it? Well, there's a, there's a lot there. And let me first address why I don't tout that. Um, I actually really, so when we first started the podcast, um, before mind pump started, we used, uh, my following that I had built on Instagram. So before I met the guys and we started mind pump, I had already this vision of building a, an online business. I didn't know that it was going to look just like mind pump, but I had this vision of where it was going. And I also knew that if I were to show myself, go from fat to fit, and then I were to go take it to the competitive level with no coach, no nothing. Uh, it would it would build authority in our space. People would go, oh, this dude knows what he's doing. Plus, he looks awesome, right? So I was in the middle of that. In fact, when we when Mind Pump really started to get going, um, I was I think I was on my first pro show, and so we I was still in the thick of it. And a majority of our listeners at that time were people that probably were following me and then started listening to the podcast. And so I actually really, I really didn't like getting labeled as the bodybuilder guy because I really did not identify with bodybuilding up until me getting competing. I didn't even, I mean, of course I knew who Arnold was and Columbo and like, I mean, I could, I could probably name maybe now 10 bodybuilders, right? Like I did not follow the sport. I never woke up one day and go, oh, I would love to compete. I did not want to compete. I did not look forward to competing at all. What I did see was an opportunity. I saw, I know that I can train. I know that I know diet really well. I know I can, comp I know that I'm good at that. Like, and, and men's physique, I had a body type for that. I would get crushed in bodybuilding. So I would never even attempt that. But men's physique, I had a physique that I thought I could get up there and compete and so that's what I did. And I hated actually for like the first three years that I was labeled as this like bodybuilder meathead dummy. Like it drove me crazy because it is not who I am. So that's just so you know, uh, there was a time when IFBB was in my Instagram handle and it was all trying to build around that to build uh, a following and everything but it used to be something off air that the guys and I used to talk about. And I used to say, God, I can't wait until people don't think of me as the bodybuilder guy. Cause I'm really not, I'm actually more into like 
sports like justin and i connect that way wakeboarding and snowboarding and you know that shit i'm way into that I'm way more than i am bodybuilding so anyway that's that that reason then the main question was what what my my journey was well here's the thing this is what i think about with with people that are considering it or the things that you have to think about it's kind of like um a alcoholic uh thinking after he's sobered up uh thinking that being a bartender is a good idea you know what I'm saying? It's not, I'm not saying that it's not possible. So I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't become a recovering alcoholic and be a very successful bartender. And maybe some people think that's a good strategy for them to keep them like that close to keep them in. I don't know, but I would, I would venture to say that's a really bad idea for 99% of the people that are recovering alcoholics to get a job working in a bar, right? This is what I think of when I think about competing. Most of us that got into fitness, okay, if you were to go back to the first day you walked into a gym, just like the first day I walked into a gym, the main thing that drove me there were my insecurities. I was teased for being skinny. I wanted to get the attention of girls and all the things that motivated me to change my body were those. It wasn't like, I didn't walk in the gym at 17 and go, I want to be healthy. I want to get healthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be a healthy individual. Nah, fuck no. I went in and I said, I want to look this way, right? So when you, when you add that into getting into a sport that is the extreme version of that insecurity, it's just a dangerous place for most people to end up. Now, luckily, I was 30 and I had already over 10 years of experience training clients. And I've, I've already started to move into this transition in my career of understanding the psychology I like I've, I've, I've started my like around 26 or so I started reading a lot and uh, I really love like behavioral science neuropsychology uh, these things I, I was drawn to um, and I had already gone down that rabbit hole and started to realize like how much of this game was uh, psychological and not so much the X's and O's so I was already there before I decided to get into this. And so I had an entry and exit plan to bodybuilding. It was not this, man, I, like, I know a lot of people that like, they're very passionate about it. They love the sport of it. They're into it. They go to all the shows. They go to Olympia every year. They've always wanted to get on stage and be that guy or that girl. And, and I'd, I would question you, or I would, have you, I would have you question yourself if you were that person. Are you secure? with who you are and, and your body. And, and, it, and if you are, then, then know that you are playing with fire a little bit by going into a sport that is asking you to do the most extreme versions of dieting and training to present this physique that is unrealistic and un, uh, you know, sustainable and, and know that. And I think you can do that. I do, I did. You know, I, I went in and said, I have a goal. I'm gonna prove I can do this. After I prove it and build this business, I'm out. I'm, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have anything else to prove to anybody. Like I've already proven to myself and, and anybody that was paying attention back then that I can take a, a physique and to the highest level in a matter of a year and a half, two years. And so, um, I, I, I think a lot of people that are in competing are, are not like that. I think that they they love the sport, and they'll probably a lot of them don't know why they love the sport. And they're sucked in and they're an alcoholic and they don't even know it. You know what I mean? They're not right. Really an alcoholic. They're a gymaholic. 
and a, a fitness fanatic, and they are so focused on one part of the big health sphere, and they're out of balance everywhere else. And to be in that sport, it only exaggerates that. It only, I mean, it, because it demands that of you. If you're going to get it on stage, you can't. I mean, that was the most selfish sport I've ever done in my life. I've played sports my whole life growing up. And uh, this is why I like the challenge. My friend Craig, who debates whether bodybuilding is a sport, I 100% get behind bodybuilding as a sport. It is a sport. It's different. It's a very different sport. It's nothing like football or basketball. But what makes it a sport to me is the amount of consistency and discipline and sacrifice uh, is unbelievable. I mean, when I played basketball, uh, I could I could take two days off of eating. I could not practice for a week, you know, like, and you wouldn't know there's really a difference on the court. It wouldn't make that big of a difference. But you miss a day of your diet. You miss a day of training. Uh, you miss a meal, you know, in, in this game. Like, and you, you don't drink, you drink four ounces too much water or not enough and you lose or you go back three places. I mean, that's how, that's how like dialed you have to be for that sport, which I love that. I love the difficulty of that. Um, but I mean, it could really get somebody so sucked in that they, they, they have their blinders on, that they can't see the rest of what's happening around them. So I, I would just, I would caution people that are, are getting into it. I, I would say you really need to be in a good place with uh, exercise and diet and body image, you know, you have to have a really good body, but you have to be okay. And by the way, knowing that the, my insecurity is what drove me into it, I constantly challenged my own self with my body image. Like there's definitely moments still this day where I catch myself looking in the mirror and critiquing myself and saying, oh, I wish I looked like this or being down on myself. And I'm going like, wait a second, like, are you kidding me? I'm 40 years old. I'm in, in, in really good shape for 99% of the 40 year olds that are out there. What am I saying? What am I saying? The self-talk. Mm -hmm. I need to get out of that. Like I look totally fine and I, it's okay that I didn't work out for the last three days because what I did in those three days is I spent time with my son or I did this or I did that, that was, you know, improving my overall health. So yeah, I just, I, I would be careful, man. You get into bodybuilding because when I was, and I, when I got in there, when I got backstage, I'll never forget like talking to the competitors, I remind you, I know nothing going into it uh, about the sport. And I actually was completely naive to what I was going to see. I, I thought I was going to meet uh, some of the most brilliant, uh, you know, program design people, most brilliant nutrition, nutritional minds. Um, and it, it wasn't that at all. Like, in fact, what I did meet, though, I mean, some of the most disciplined people I've ever met in my life. I mean, I met some people that can, can, can literally lock in a goal and nothing get in their way. And so I have a, the utmost respect for everybody who competes because it takes that. But it was definitely not people that really understood metabolism, people that really understood nutrition, people that really understood programming or really understood health at all. In fact, they were the most fucked up when it came to all those things, um, but they were really good at being disciplined. So you know, you got to ask yourself if you're, if you're uh, interested in that sport, you know, are you, are you truly ready for it? And if it is like a sport um, and when you talk about the IFBB and NPC, I mean, I would consider that like collegiate level, professional level of bodybuilding. Um, you probably shouldn't go from just getting into fitness 
and working out to just like I wouldn't go never played football before go throw the ball around a few times on the field and then go like yeah throw me in the NFL and take a shot from fucking Ray Lewis and see how I feel like no way like that would be a horrible idea just as bodybuilding is probably a horrible idea for most people until you've reached a level of nutrition understanding exercise science understanding and biomechanics and then also body image like you you need to have those things i in my opinion really in check uh before you enter a, a sport like that well and it's funny how jaded you become right i thought that in order to be a successful coach and a successful trainer i needed to be an ifbb pro and I abused my body to try to get there. Right. And then when it didn't happen, it was like, oh, you can't be successful now. Like all the mindset was just so messed up. And then I thought that I needed to maintain the giant muscles that I had in order to be a trainer, because who would go to somebody that doesn't have giant muscles to teach them how to have giant muscles, you know, and I couldn't have been further from wrong, uh, in so many ways. And I kind of have to laugh and make fun of myself now about all of the, my ways of thinking that revolved around that. But, you know, in the end, it taught me incredible things that I am very fortunate for um, and happy, well, in that, your, you know, in your, in your defense, I mean, we, we are in, in my opinion, maybe next to what modeling, I would say we are in the most superficial business or industry that you can be in. Like, uh, and unfortunately um, I mean, let's just peruse through Instagram, you know, the, the Instagram models, are giving some of the most, they're giving more of the fitness advice than some of the best professionals, right? If there's, there is a butt models and, you know, pretty boy fitness model guys that have got two, three, four million followers or people that do gimmicky shit on Instagram to get attention. And they're giving out tons of nutrition and exercise advice. And they have no clue what they're doing. So in your defense, we do live in this really interesting world and time where people want to see uh, that you you do look the part, which is why I use that as a way to get your attention. Like I, I, I knew that, I knew the psychology of the average person um, from coaching people for so long and working in gyms. And, you know, many times I had a trainer who worked for me and they were like brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then I had like this other trainer that was kind of a dum-dum, but he looked amazing. And then when clients would come and buy, they'd be like, oh, I want to train with that guy. And I'd be like, no, you don't. You want to train with that dude over there. The one that you're not really impressed with the way it looks, that dude is brilliant. And the conditions that you've told me all about and where you're at, like he's going to be able to help you. He's not going to be able to help you so much. That's the truth. And so I knew that, that, you know, people want to see that you can do that yourself. So it's kind of unfortunate. It's, you know, that we, we do kind of have to show that a little bit, I feel like, like, you know, I mean, it's, it's even, I see it right now. Like we're, we're, our YouTube channel is exploding right now because we're putting energy and effort towards that right now. And uh, it's a good thing that we're all training pretty consistently and look pretty good right now, because I tell you what, they're just brutal on there. I mean, I've done videos on there before. And if I'm not at, you know, single digit body fat percentage and 20 inch arms, I've got, you know, at least 30 trolls on there telling me how I have no business telling people what to do, you know, so. <laughs> oh, that, that's a an, an, an really unfortunate part of our industry, but, you know, switching over into endurance sports, I've definitely learned some things. And let me tell you what, I've gotten schooled by women that are double my size in cycling 
as of late. And let me tell you what, I think I'm in good shape. And when I see one of those women go flying by me, going quadruple my speed and like where I'm on a hill and I'm dying and they're like, see you later, lady. (laughs) You know, I'm like, listen, you never know how fit somebody actually is by the way that they look. You cannot judge that way. So uh, that's a big thing. And I don't want to keep you on here too terribly long. We've covered so many amazing subjects, but I just want to dip into training momentarily before we uh, wrap this up. If there was a certain, I mean, I guess, is there a favorite form of training for you that you would recommend as far as somebody maintaining a a general physique, a general level of fitness um, that is sustainable? What, What would you recommend? Is there a kind of periodization? Mm-hmm. or split that you you really believe in and think everybody could achieve or most people could achieve this is actually this is actually the true origin story of mind pump um so sal and i uh knew of each other in the company like we worked for 24 Hour fitness over a decade ago and he was a top performer i was a top performer we had mutual friends but we had never met uh, and all of my friends that knew him would always tell me like, you got to meet Sal, you and Sal would be great together. And blah, blah. They, we, we heard that for years before we ever met. And, uh, you know, he heard the same thing and we connected on Facebook, um, about eight, eight, eight years ago or so. And we, ironically, it was uh, about marijuana. Um, I was, I was running, I had just started two of the first medical marijuana clubs in the Bay area. Sal was doing research because his mother-in-law was dying of cancer and uh, he DM me about marijuana. And we just, we started talking about, and I was like totally uh, enthralled by this guy because at that time, uh, marijuana was still very taboo in the fitness space. It was not like it is today. Um, and uh, I didn't know anybody else that was openly talking about it in fitness. And then also could talk to it at at a high of a level as Sal could. And so I just geeked out. So we talked marijuana all the time for like months. And then he finally sends me over this thing and he goes, Hey, my buddy, Doug and I are working on this uh, program. I want to start getting into uh, e-commerce and and, and digital sales online. And would you take a look at this program? And this is literally, this is why uh, we merged together was because I opened that and it was MAPS Anabolic. And, and I'm at the point in my career at this time when I'm, I'm starting to kind of piece together what is exactly what you asked. What is kind of the ideal program for most people that I think I would direct most people to do long-term that they're, most people are going to benefit, right? I keep saying most because of course there is always exceptions to the rule and individualized for that person based off of deviations and, and things they can or can't do. But the thing that I had just, just kind of come to around that time, maybe a year before that was I had been training people. I think the wrong way for a long time. I was training them very similar to me. These, these body part split kind of bodybuilder type of routines that really are geared towards the fitness fanatic. The person that loves to go to the gym five to seven days a week, and hammer a body part hard for an hour and then come back the next day. And uh, I had success with that myself for so many years. And so of course I trained most of my clients that way. But over years, I, I, of course I experimented with all kinds of different ways of training. I mean, I've even trained clients CrossFit style before. So I've trained my clients all different ways. 
And something that it was so funny, I was, it was last to train myself this way uh, because it didn't appeal to me. But most of my clients that only wanted to work out two or three times a week, I put them on a, a full body routine. And I obviously stuck to the movements that I knew were like the biggest bang for your buck, which is all the compound lifts. And, uh, you know, the, the, the routine itself looked kind of boring and basic, uh, but was extremely effective, especially for the client who was only going to train one to three times a week. It, we made sure that if we only train one time a week, I knew I hit every muscle group, right, in a full body routine. And if they only trained twice, at least they got every muscle group twice for the week. And then studies will tell you that hitting every muscle group two to three times a week is the kind of the most optimal place, right, as far as frequency goes for muscle building. Uh, so I thought, okay, uh, I'm going to train my clients this way. And then I started to experiment with myself and was blown away by the results that I was getting training full body because I just didn't like it. Um, but it was working really well and it was working extremely well for all my clients. That's what MAPS Anabolic was. MAPS Anabolic is really this program that Sal wrote that has a what's called a pre-phase. The pre-phase is really good because it's what I think majority of people, unless you're really, really regressed, like if you're completely deconditioned, uh, you can't even do like a, a, a unloaded barbell squat or anything like that. There's other things I'd have you do. But let's just say that you, you can functionally move relatively well. You can perform a squat or all the basic movements. Um, that type of structure, in my opinion, is perfect. And it, of course, it's phased, so it's periodized. So it's got, the, it's got a strength component to it. Then it's got a hypertrophy component and then an endurance type of component to it. And it's phased every three to four weeks, which I also had come to that conclusion as a trainer, even though most studies show four to six weeks is about where you want to be to periodize it things. We found that when we moved people into a new phase, we kept them from ever plateauing. If I waited, I could get you to go four or five weeks and maybe you got a little bit more results in that phase, uh, but you might hit a plateau and then I'd phase you out and go to another thing. Well, I realized that if I kept you at that three or four week mark, uh, I never allowed you to hit the plateau and you were already transitioning into another phase. And so the maps and a block was structured this way. And so when Sal sent it over and I opened it up, I'm like, oh my God. And it looks nothing like all the programs that are online. It looks nothing like a beach body program. It looks nothing like the programs I even used to write as a trainer in my early twenties. I used to write things that were creative, you know, and kept them moving and, and stuff like that. It was all the wrong things. And really the, these, it was a, a collection of all the best exercises structured with the least amount of time and effort put forth towards them to get the most amount of results and phased over three months. So it wasn't just like, oh, this one workout that you can follow that would, your body will adapt to in four to six weeks and then you'll slow down your results. It was structured in a way that it'll get you to the next three months and you just got to follow it and you could go one day a week, two day a week, or three day a week and see great results. That is what sold me on partnering with Sal. That literally after I opened it up, went through all of it, I called him and said, I would love to meet with you and Doug. And I'd like to bring my friend Justin along and let's just talk. Let's just talk about what you're building, what we're building, and maybe there's some synergy there. And of course there was, and, and it led to mind pump, but that way of training and so the, the things to give you more about it so those that are listening have no idea what i mean by maps anabolic <clears throat> it's a full body routine 
It's, it can be one day a week, two day a week, or three day a week because it's full body. It's comprised mostly of your compound lifts, squats, you know, back squats, front squats, deadlifts, overhead pressing, bench pressing, incline press, rows. Um, and then of course your auxiliary stuff like bicep and tricep work, but primarily focused around those big compound lifts. And if people get good at doing those few lifts a couple times a week, you can build an incredible physique. Now, would I train the uh, highly competitive, experienced bodybuilder like that for a show? No, of, of course not. Uh, I would not train them that way. Now, does that mean that they wouldn't benefit from training that way? Of course, they could still benefit from it. Uh, but the volume that that person probably needs uh, to get on the highest level of, of, of physiques is, is different. This is what I thought was for the masses. What did I think that, you know, 90% of my clients I trained, what type of programming would that look like? And would they benefit from MAPS anabolic structure with a full body routine that you can do either two or three times a week and phased. So you have a phase where you are working in strength, strength, we're working in that two to five rep range, then moving to a hypertrophy phase, which is three or four weeks later. And you're training something in the eight to 12 rep range. And then you move into your kind of endurance phase where you might include some supersets or doing more endurance, lower rest periods and upwards of 15 reps uh, per your exercise uh, and all of it full body. That uh, to me is uh, for most people, we'll see the most bang for the buck. And it's the reason why, again, the, the business was able to scale because when we first started, you know, when Mind Pump was just getting going, we were only selling one program a day, you know, one program. That, and that was when we were really rolling. We were rolling. That was like our first, like, oh, we have a business here. You know, we sold one program a day uh, and now we sell hundreds every day. But when we first started that one program a day got people going on the program and then people were getting incredible results and it was blowing their mind the same way it blew my mind when I first made myself or my clients train that way. Cause it was different than my, my you know, previous philosophy. So does that program still available? Is it one that people can still purchase? And if it is, mm -hmm. is there, uh, where do they go to do that? Where can my listeners find it? So uh, you can literally go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. You can also just Google maps anabolic um, and it'll pop up. It'll take you right to the landing page. If you were to Google maps anabolic uh, and yeah, yeah, it's available. In fact, I believe that we have it uh, half off right now. Um, so there's deals always going on it. Um, and yeah, I think, and everything, everything that we do has a 30 day money back guarantee too. So we always tell people like, try it out, just follow, trust the process, follow the program the way it's laid out for 30 days. If you don't feel and notice and see a difference right away, then return it. But we don't, we don't promise you you're going to lose 15 pounds or you're going to add a list, like follow it. You will feel and see a difference. It should blow your mind compared to anything else you've done. And if it, if it doesn't, then we return it. No questions asked. So um, that's how I would train most people, uh, given that we don't have any conditions or anything. Right. I love it. I love it. Well, Adam, this has been amazing. Where can my listeners come and find you and look more into your stuff? I know we talked about the podcast a little, uh, which is mind pump. What else do you have out there for people? Oh my God. We, you know, and I always tell people this before you even go buy maps and a you know, go consume all the free content. I mean, we have so much, that was our mission was can we drown the competition with more free, valuable content than anybody else out there? And that's still an ongoing mission of ours um, to the point where you could literally Google mind pump 
and then almost anything related to health, wellness, fitness, exercise, diet. Uh, you, it'll. We have got either several blogs, white papers, free guides, YouTube videos, or podcast episodes uh, dedicated to that topic. So that's and we all we have a free app you can download, MindPump Media, um, and that allows you since we have fit over fifteen hundred episodes. So if you're just new to hearing Mind Pump, you can go to the free app and actually put in a topic. So whatever topic you want to learn about, ketogenic diets, the you know carbs, whatever, you name it, you want to learn about it, you type it in. Every episode where that term has been mentioned populates. So you can go back and listen to the episodes where we talk about that. Um, the YouTube channel, we have two of them. We have Mind Pump TV, which is a complete exercise library. I think there's hundreds maybe even the thousands now i think we're in the high hundreds i think of exercises on there all you can think of and they're categorized so they're really easy for you to find or look up uh, and again if you're looking for like demonstrations on stuff i would say go to youtube and search mind pump and then whatever exercise you can think of we probably have at least one if not multiple videos on that uh, then we also have free guides at mindpumpfree.com which these are extensive long white papers that are you know 5,000 plus word documents on specific topics like increasing your testosterone naturally losing belly fat building muscle uh, you name it we've got a bunch of them they're absolutely free it's at mindpumpfree.com uh, and then the podcast of course um, listen to that so take advantage of all the free stuff that we have uh, and download and, and listen and learn um, before you buy anything from us so that's normally where I tell people to go I love that. Well, it's been a pleasure and we've had an amazing conversation here today. And I am so thankful that you decided to take some time out of your busy schedule and share all this amazing knowledge with my listeners. So thank you for that. Thank you, Connie. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning into that episode with Adam and I. I really found a lot of value in this episode, and I hope you did too. If you did, please make sure to go leave a review. They are so important to this podcast success so that I can keep releasing episodes weekly. And I can't tell you how important it is that you share with your friends and family, post it on social media, put it in your stories, tag me in it. I would love to know that you are finding value from all of this as well, because that is my main mission to get good information out there and help change lives. I don't make any money off this podcast, so it is strictly for informational purposes and to help people out. I also want to remind you that I am still advocating for Beauty Counter. They are an amazing company. They are passing laws that are in the beauty industry to regulate it. They are also free of over 1,800 chemicals. They are clean products and safer beauty. So I'm really happy with them. I actually recently got their melting body butter. And I was actually going to give it away because they sent it to me for free. And I was like, well... You know, I'm not a huge body butter person or whatever. And I actually got a really horrible sunburn on Saturday. Ended up putting that stuff on my sunburn and I cannot believe the difference it made. It was so incredible and it was luxur luxurious. It like melted into my skin and I'm addicted to it now. So now I am a slave to another product of theirs. I'm very happy with them. So if you want to jump on the safer, cleaner beauty train and support a company that is doing great things, head on over to www.beautycounter.com forward slash Connie Nightingale. Get yourself something. Just try the lip gloss even. I don't know, guys. Great stuff in the discount bin too, but you will love it. All right, guys. 
that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. See you next Monday.